thankful to be able to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. I thought often and much about what I was to preach today. This first Sunday of 2024 was here, the first Sunday in 2023. We're moving into the book of Romans, which is an amazing work of the Apostle Paul and the Lord. And as I thought often about that and where we've been as a church, I thought no better place than to go to what Martin Luther once referred to as a Bible in miniature. Or in modern vernacular, a mini-Bible. The book of Psalms. Mr. Luther was on something here when he referred to this collection of songs for the people of God. In the unified whole of the Psalms, which is called the Psalter, you find themes that encompass praises, laments, thanksgiving, wisdom, and even imprecations which God's God, which pronounce God's wrath on His enemies. The Psalter is quoted more times in the New Testament than any other individual Old Testament book. These songs have been an important part of the, of the lives and spiritual pilgrimages of God's people for thousands of years. In Luke 24, Jesus speaking to His disciples <clears throat> In His Word, He tells us something about the Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament Scripture for that matter that is of vital importance to His people. This is what He says, Luke 24. He says, These are My words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Thus we learn here that Jesus, the Word made flesh, testifies that the Psalms that were written, some of them thousands of years before He would come to earth in the flesh, Speak and testify of Him. The collection of the 150 Psalms was compiled over a period of about a thousand years. And this altar contains both the longest chapter in the Bible and the shortest chapter in the Bible. The book of Psalms is written by more authors than any other individual book in the entirety of the Scripture. And the book of Psalms is read or sung as it was originally intended nearly every Sunday here at Redeemer and in thousands of churches across the globe. If you're looking for a New Year resolution to start, may I commend to you the daily reading of the Psalms. You will find that no matter what situation you find yourself in, there is something in the Psalter that speaks to your condition and will bring godly comfort and consolation to you. All of that said, we do not find ourselves today in the Psalms at random. We just finished up our study of Haggai last week. Mike's sermon, which was titled, When the Heavens Shake, about the preservation of God's chosen people despite the difficulties of life in the sinful world. If you've been in our Sunday school class, you will note that we have been studying the history of God's covenant people and recently of David who wrote the vast amount, the vast majority of the Psalms. I think that you will find 
that the connection of our studies throughout the Scriptures will find common ground with all of God's Word. And before we go to our text this morning, I want you to think back to a moment when you were maybe in elementary school, maybe third or fourth, fifth grade. Around this time, you were likely studying what is called the order of operations. Can you all remember a little mnemonic device that you were taught to remember what the order of operations was? PEMDAS, right? You've probably carried that with you through your whole life just like I have. Served me much through college, believe it or not. That little rule. Maybe math wasn't your strong suit and you were learning that every good boy does fine. These little helpful reminders have likely stuck with us even up till now. Our psalm today is an acrostic where every two verses correspond to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This psalm of David was meant to be memorized using this mnemonic device just like we would have done in school growing up. And don't worry, you're not going to be expected to remember, which we're going over the first 11 verses, uh, to remember this the way that the ancient Hebrews did by remembering that Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey is how you're going to remember these first few verses. I've got five points for you to take away. Our first point this day will be fret not evildoers. Number two, trust in the Lord. Number three, commit to resting in your Savior. Number four, fret not the prosperity of evildoers. Number five, believe in the promises of God. Before we go to the text, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are a people that is very weak. We are a people who in need of Your grace. Lord, I pray that as we sit before Your Word this morning that You would use it and that it would be effective. Lord, help us to believe the promise that You have said regarding Your Word, that You will make it that way. Lord, help us not to fret not when we look around the world. When we consider the dealings of the world, the seeming success of the world. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to look unto You. Help us with Your Word this morning. We pray all this in Christ. Amen. If you would, please stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy Word. Psalm 37, verse 1 through verse 11. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. 
He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Starting in point number one, fret not evildoers. The psalmist begins by telling us not to fret or strain over the fact that there are evildoers in the world. Since Genesis 3, we can be sure that we will run into those who work evil. As often, as we often discuss here at Redeemer, when it comes to living in the midst of a sinful and difficult world, we do not live in some sort of vacuum where evildoers must be pulled in, where there weren't any and now there are. David wrote this psalm several millennia ago. When we look at our current fabric of society, we may be tempted to fret at the reality of evildoers. We may be tempted to fret at the prospect of our country being led by men whom God laughs at in November of 2024 this year. David certainly could have been fretful at moments in his life. This is a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm when he was an older man. Early in his life, he spent many years on the run from evildoers like Saul. There were many moments that David could have fretted. Even when he was writing this, he may have been tempted to fret at the uprising of his son, Absalom. Yet here, David reminds us, fret not of evildoers. Our Lord Jesus, rather than fretting over the sinfulness of the world for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross at the hands of wicked and sinful men. Brother and sister, do you fret at the prospect that the evil will prosper? David continues by reminding us not to be envious of them when they prosper. This may seem an obvious thing to say to the gathering of the people of God. And of course we shouldn't be envious of the wicked. Yet how often do we find ourselves discontent with the condition and place in which God's providence has placed us in our lives? We are tempted with the desire of wealth, possessions, experiences, and prestige, and we see the relative ease in which those who are not Christians are able to gain prominence and success using whatever means palatable those who are around them. Do not be tempted by these things that are here for but a breath. These things, wealth and prestige, experience pass away like the green grass. Just like David says there in verse 1, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither, like the green herb. The evildoer is not like the blessed man whom we read of in Psalm 1 this morning in our call to worship. The blessed man, the righteous one, planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, evildoer and the wicked are like the grass 
They will be blown into the wind. Brother and sister, why be fretful over those who are but a breath? Why be envious of those who carry nothing into the next life? This brings us to our second point, taking a look specifically at verses 3 and 4. Number two, trust in the Lord. Let's look at verse 3 once again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. David, after telling us what to avoid, tells us what we are to put on. Trust in the Lord. Do good. In the world that screams nothing but that which brings spiritual death, we have to turn our gaze to the God of our salvation. As the great hymn says, when all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and say. As Mike preached last week, though the heavens be shaken by an earthquake, and literally the next day, a seven point something magnitude earthquake rocks Japan. Right? Those are just not, those are not things we just talk about and that happened long ago. Obviously, we we read about it. We're more connected to these things than ever. But though the heavens be shaken by an earthquake or by some war, the many wars that we hear about every day, fret not. Be not envious, but trust in the Lord. I love what Matthew Henry says about this idea of fretfulness and envy in this passage. He says, fretfulness and envy are sins that are their own punishments. They are the uneasiness of the spirit and rottenness of the bones. It is therefore in kindness to ourselves that we are warned against them. Wow. Trust in the Lord. The Lord in His providence has brought each of us in our own time to be in a time such as this. And verse 3 reminds us that we must replace fret with trust and faith. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and befriend this faithfulness. It's time to check your desires. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. For any, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In contrast to the desires of the world, we are told to delight ourselves in the Lord. And in delighting in the Lord, we are given an amazing promise. Our delight in God is connected to the receiving of the desires of our hearts. And this is not saying that if you're a good person or if you do righteous works, that God will give you the desires of your heart. For it would be foolish for someone with hands that must be cleaned by another to think that he can honor a holy God. But rather, this text points us to the fact that the more that we find our desires and delights in God, the more that we will find that we desire those things that God desires and promises to give us. 
The more you delight in the Lord, the more you will find out that your cravings are satisfied. The Apostle Paul speaks of this delight in Philippians 4, which we just finished up that series. I hope you can see the fact that Psalm 37 has themes that speak to the entirety of the Scripture, the entirety of God's story of redemption, because they do. But in Philippians 4, Paul speaks about the fact that he is able to be content in much and in little, whether he's in prison or at the synagogue. Because the Lord is the delight of the saints. We run into much trouble and much much angst when we strive after that which is only temporary. When we look around the world and we see those who prosper in things that are only but as the wind. And so David, in reminding us, a man who was not perfect at doing this, trusts and delight in God. And you will have the desires of your heart. That's a real promise. We shouldn't avoid texts like that just because some people abuse things like that text and talk about God being like the genie of Aladdin or something. No. It's much more deep than that. When we delight in God, we find that our greatest delight becomes Him more and more. Because only He can fill the desires and cravings of our heart. This brings us to point number three. Commit to resting in your Savior. Looking specifically at verses 5-7. through Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I'm going to stop there at the first half of verse 7. The evildoers, the nations, the peoples of the world will do as the peoples of the world will do. During COVID, it became popular to say, a virus is going to virus. Pronouncing this verb upon a noun. Well, we could also say the wicked is going to wicked. We understand that the society that we live in and the leaders that are in power are going to do things that are opposed to righteousness. Now recognize this as the case does not mean that we should be not or doesn't mean that we shouldn't be praying and petitioning God on behalf of our nation society as Paul encourages us to do in 1 Timothy 2, which I encourage you to read. But we should in the midst of difficult days commit our ways unto the Lord. We are to be obedient following His commands, doing good all the while trusting that it is He that will act. The Lord is the source of justice, whether that justice is done publicly in this life or in the next. I remind you that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. David wrote this psalm not knowing exactly what we know, but we we proclaim that to the world that the Lord has brought forth our righteousness as light. As Apostle John uh, 
proclaimed in uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, probably very familiar to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If we spend our time fretting over the lives of evildoers and the prosperity of the wicked, you will forget that the light, that Jesus is the conqueror. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He has overcome the darkness of our hearts if you're in Christ. For those of us who have trusted in Him by faith, our sin has been conquered and nailed to the cross. Therefore, we can be still. Before the Lord, we can suffer in the midst of a world in desperate need of redemption. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is redeeming people and He is coming again. And therefore, we can be still. We can be at peace before the Lord and wait patiently in the midst of trial, counting it all joy to suffer for the name of our Lord. Better to suffer for the name of the Lord than to suffer for unrighteousness. Or to suffer going after things that are nothing. This brings us to point number four. Fret not the prosperity of evildoers. Starting in the second half of verse 7b. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. We are again reminded not to fret at the wicked though it seems like the wicked are gaining ground and righteousness is losing. If you are familiar with the book of the Psalms, it's put together in five different books and they're, they're collected not, not in order, but, but placed specifically in certain locations. But if you remember right at the beginning of book 3, uh, uh, Psalm 73, whenever the man is looking out at the wicked, they prosper, they, all of these things are good for them, life seems okay for them, and the psalmist gets to the end, I think it's a psalm of Asaph, and he gets to the end, he says, but when I thought how to discern this, it was a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of the Lord. David reminds us of that same truth here. I remind you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, the bride of Christ. Do you fret over the world? Do you fret over the work of the evildoer? I ask you these questions more than once because David thought it important in his collection here in this psalm to remind us several times over and over again. Read the rest of the verses. There's 40 verses in total. To not fret. Do you get angry and full of rage that things to your small eyes, our small eyes, don't look as they should. And your heart burns 
Let it not burn because of anger, but for righteousness. You know, when we think, I think about this text, we think perhaps David was speaking right here from learned experience. Of course he was. After all, he spent most of his life living in strife and difficulty with those who are around him. For those who are around him that were for a moment in his life very successful. I mentioned earlier, Saul was successful in keeping David on the run for a large majority of his life. For much of the of his reign as a king, he was under threat from those without and those within. When David's son, like we just mentioned earlier, his son, his very own son Absalom, led an insurrection against him, could he not have been tempted to fret over these things? And yet in his old age, he admonishes us in this psalm not to fret, but to wait on the Lord. It is a good thing for the people of God to wait on the Lord. It is in these seasons of waiting in which we learn much about ourselves, our own sin, and about our God. The people of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. In this time, many sins were exposed and much glory of God shone. For the Christians, the seasons of waiting in the midst of trial are a part of God's sanctifying hand. During the time of the exile, the people of the Lord had to wait for their deliverance. They had to wait for the rebuilding of the temple. For thousands of years, the people of God had to wait for the coming of a Savior. And Jesus did not come a moment too soon and not a moment too late. God has never been early or late, but always right on time. In Romans 5, Paul writes, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus came for our redemption at the right time. Even so, when Martha, Mary's brother Lazarus, died, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. To Martha, if Jesus would have just been a little bit sooner, then they would not have had to experience the grief of their dying brother. And yet we read early in the passage that it was the plan of Jesus not to be there during theirs because He was about to perform a great miracle among all of them. To Martha, it must have been difficult to wait on the Lord. And as we tarry in this sinful world, it can be difficult to wait on the Lord's return. But I can assure you that at the right time He will come with the blessings of a glorious inheritance for His people. And that's not some kind of rich scheme for this world, but it points to those things that are laid up in heaven that He has accomplished. The things that are talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that all the riches are yours in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we can be as those who wait for the Lord, recognizing that those who wait for Him shall inherit the land. Therefore, do not fret, for soon the evildoer shall be cut off and the Lord will act.
at the right time. This brings us to our final point. Believe the promises of God. Looking specifically at verses 10 through 11. In just a little while, verse 10, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In this final two verses of our text this morning, we are reminded of two promises from God. The first promise of God is to the wicked. And the second promise to His people. Did you know that for those who currently sit out of outside of Christ that God has promised you something? He has promised to speak to you in His wrath and to cut you off and throw you into the fire. To those who are outside of Christ, to the evildoers still in your sins, God has promised to bring righteous judgment. The people of God are not to fret because the wicked will be no more in just a little while. To those who are in Christ, this should be a very humbling reality for you. For there was a time when you were under the wrath of God. There was a time when you were not righteous. The promise of wrath stands against every person who is not perfectly righteous. Yet for those in Christ, through the divine love of God, Jesus took the unrighteousness of His people and bore the promise of God's wrath for us. The promise of God's wrath still stands. He will punish the evildoer. If you're here this day and you're outside of Christ, your life may be fine and dandy. You may have everything you need, a good job, prestige, and abundance of possessions, and yet you only have that which lasts for a moment. In fact, it has the longevity of the green leaves on the tree. The leaves are green for but a season, but when the winter comes, they are gathered up and burned. This is not the case for those who have trusted in Christ Jesus by faith. The ones who have been given the righteousness of Christ. Here we see a promise to the righteous. One that Jesus quotes verbatim in Matthew chapter 5. Almost. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The term meek here in in Psalm 37 literally means to be bowed down. Those who are bowed down. It is these, not just bowed down externally, but internally in their heart before a holy God. It is the meek that shall inherit the land of righteousness. And that not of their selves. That not of their selves. I ask you this day, 
Have you cast off self, your self-righteous, your worldly desires for gain and ease and trusted in Christ? Or do you fret after that which cannot deliver, but only for a season? Though you may see a season of wickedness growing, you look outside, you see all the little pet issues that everybody talks about every day. Are you like the blessed man in Psalm 1, planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season? Though it sees a difficult season of difficulty coming, it is not moved or shaken. I hope not, Christian. Because the promises of God are true. And because the promises of God are true, if you are here today without Christ, understand this, that the promise of God wrath stands upon you. And I pray that you would trust and turn and put your faith in Christ and that He would be Lord of your heart and your life so that you would know what it is to know the peace of God. That you would know what it is to delight yourself in the Lord. Lasting delight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that we would fret not, that we would not be shaken by things, little things. Though they seem big to us. Pray that we would not be envious of those things. But that it would never be named among Your people. And that when we have those inclinations, that we would quickly turn away and remember and be reminded of this psalm. Of the ends of the righteous and the ends of the wicked. And Lord, for those of us who were once wicked, of those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins at one time, Lord, help us to remember that You have made us alive through Your work and Your power. And therefore, we can claim righteousness, not in ourselves. Not even that we are perfectly righteousness now, but we can proclaim, we can claim the righteousness of another, our Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that everyone here today would know the Lord Jesus and know what it is to be called a son or a daughter. Lord, we thank You so much. Thank You for reminding us of what we need to so often be reminded of. That You are on Your throne You are on the throne. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.